0: She gave me that look. I didn't direct her at all. And she gave me that look. And it, honestly, it just, for me, it just told the story straight away. And, uh, and that was that, really. You know, it was a f- five-minute encounter. My name is Theo. I'm an English photographer, photographic artist, I guess, living in Lisbon. I do what I would call fine art documentary. I'm self-taught i I taught myself when I was uh, living in Colombia, and it was it was actually a way of me to kind of learn about the culture and how to, it was about learning about how to communicate with the uh, the people in Colombia when I at the time did not speak the language people People have really informed my work. Before I was a photographer, I was a tailor. I was uh, I was like front of house of this this tailor on Savile Row, and the reason why I enjoyed the job was because you met interesting people, and it was very kind of like customer based, very client based, and you know you realize that selling itself, for instance, is basically it's just having a conversation with somebody and getting to know them, and then kind of like trying to find out what it is that they're after. I I have always been somebody who's enjoyed talking to people, you know. My dad, he works in food, but he's also a travel writer. And, like, as a kid, we used to go to – we used to travel quite a lot, basically. He was always very interested in learning about people and their cultures, and, you know, he's very good at languages. And, you know, whenever we go somewhere, we'd go to, like, the local markets and we'd go and have conversations with, like, the women selling vegetables and fruits and things. And we went to Turkey a lot because – he used to write guidebooks and articles things about it and we used to go to like uh, the common bazaar in Istanbul all the time there was always this whole thing There was like this whole ritual you kind of like go somewhere and you see something you like and you um you kind of you ask the man how much it is and he's like oh it's this much and he goes oh okay okay and then you go you know maybe we should sit down and have some tea and you know that's like you know you ask about the family and you ask about you know how they got to where they are and how long they've been doing this and what their father did and all these kind of things. And that to me was kind of, it was like almost inbuilt. As a result of that, it was basically how I've been all my entire life. You know, I meet someone in a bar or something and that's like, you know, I really want to kind of get to know them. My photographic practice has basically just been like an evolution of that. So I learned, I learned to, to take photos in Colombia and um, I... Honestly, I mean, I was I was taking Spanish lessons at the time, you know, they weren't really going in because I'm not the, really the kind of person who sits in the class very well. And the teacher was like, What well, you should go and do? You should go and talk to people on the street and, like, go and knock on people's doors. So I did. I used to take my camera along just because I wanted to carry my camera and take a couple of, like, travel pics with me. And um, I'd just I'd go and knock on people's doors. And, you know, they'd be like, Oh, yeah, come on in, have a coffee, you know, let me tell you about my life. And then, once my Spanish ran out, which at the beginning was pretty soon, I, I would basically just say, would you mind if I took a photo? And that's kind of how I picked up both Spanish and, uh, and photography. Photograph is almost secondary. It's the conversation that informs the photograph, to me, that makes it kind of meaningful and impactful. What would be the best place to record this podcast? What would be the, the ideal place because it would like be linked to something we would talk about today? And you think it would make sense to bring me there? Look, the easy answer, the easy answer would probably be probably Holland Park in London because as a kid, I spent countless time there. It just I, I feel there's like a big connection with the place. It's is beautiful, kind of you know, during summer, during winter, all the times. It's, it's one of those places where even though it's kind of in the middle of a big city, there are lots of really quiet places. Um, you know, for instance, like the Japanese gardens in, uh, in Holland Park are absolutely stunning and it kind of has the sound of the, you know, the kind of Japanese waterfalls, you know, going into the streams and everything. Um, so I think probably if we were in London, I'd probably take you there. Um, I guess the more difficult answer would probably be here in Lisbon. I'm trying to think where. There's... There's a park, again, I mean, obviously I like parks. Um, there's a park here in Lisbon called Jardin Estrela, which means the, the Garden of the Star. The sounds that you hear is like kids playing, you know, there's people playing tennis as well in certain parts, And it's just, it's kind of like a lively place, but it's also a very kind of serene place. There's a tree in, in, in the garden, which I think we probably record under. It's the kind of tree where, you know, you know that story of Buddha, you know, where he, he went to go and meditate under that tree for however many years it was, um, and then became enlightened. I, I feel it's that kind of tree that you would find in that park, because the tree is enormous, it looks so old, I and mean, it must have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years, because it's, the, the, the trunks is just so massive. And, you know, I walk past there a few times a week, and it's like there's always so many meditating underneath it, and I feel that that'd be a really nice place to, uh, to record this podcast. I also did a project a couple of years ago in uh, in Cuba. The idea was that I wanted to learn more about the, the things that the slaves took with them hundreds of years ago on these transatlantic ships. I I went there to learn about santeria which is like voodoo but it's it's kind of like almost Spanish Spanishified if that's the word. It was it was it was super informative and it really involved speaking to people because it's it's like they have Santeria for tourists and they have santeria, which is like the thing that people really do practice. And to get that, you really have to like, like get the trust of people. You have to talk to people, you have to have meals with people and all these kind of things. And I was I was there to learn purely about this. It was again, it was it's like a conversation that informs the photo and the, and the whole series really. And for me, it's the, it's, the, it's the things that I remember about the people almost more than the photo that, again, make it kind of impactful for me. Um, and then I've been working on this project, you know, so I'm, taking, I'm doing this project about mixed-race heritage. It's, it's, I take it in my studio, so there's a kind of no, you know, in the person in, there, kind of like, uh, in their home or anything like that. So I, I, what I, what I want to do is I want to learn about the person that's standing in front of me, the person I'm going to take photos of. So we sit down for anywhere between 20 minutes and an hour and a half just talking about our experiences um, being mixed race. Again, like I, I feel that the portraits, I mean, I love the portraits and everything, but I feel it's the stories as well that really make it more impactful and make it a, a little bit more than just a portrait, if that makes sense. I, I remember when I first started, somebody told me, I also was also a photographer, they're like, you should always carry a camera with you. And so I started doing that. So I was like, to carry a camera with me all the time and taking photos and people in the streets or landscapes, whatever it was. And I would get home and I'd look at them on the computer and they never looked quite right to me. I, I, I thought to myself, I was like, this can't be right. You know, I, I must, I must, there must be a way to work better than this. And I, st- I stopped carrying a camera. I basically, I like to walk around and kind of admire things and think, oh, that'd be a nice photo or, you know, see something that I'd like to take a picture of. But it's, you know, it's, it's almost liberating that I don't take a picture of it. So when I work now, I do my best. I do my absolute best to work with a purpose. It can be a really small purpose in my mind, but it's, I kind of have to, I have to think about what it is that I'm trying to say with each photo that I take and I think that as a result, I think my... Personally, anyway, I, I think my photography has got significantly better as a result. I, f- I don't know why. There's really something with your pictures that really, really get me. And the first one that I saw, it's this uh, woman with like long white hair, a dress... I know she doesn't have white hair. I don't know why in my head she did. Like, I didn't remember. Just wanted to know if you could tell me more about this person. Because, I don't know, I'm just in love with her. <laughs> so I was, I, was, I was talking a second ago about um, my project in Cuba. So the, the project was called The Faces of Yoruba. Yoruba is a tribe in, now in Nigeria, mostly in Nigeria. And a lot of the slaves were taken from Nigeria to, to Cuba and to the Americas. And, and it's centrally their version of voodoo was a, a way of keeping ties to their homeland and so I was doing this project learning about the people that that practice this there's a place in Havana it's like a place where they all hang out on the weekends where they kind of sing and they dance and they kind of get together and they get a bit drunk and everything and i I, I used to go there a few times a week uh, to go and like speak to the people take the photos and everything and she was a singer. The language that she sings in is—I think it's—I don't know how to pronounce it exactly. I think it's called Lukumi or Lusumi. Basically, she—it's like an African dialect, and they sing it in the in the rituals of Santeria. And she was—she told me she was a professional singer, and she—she—I think she, she even tried to sell me a CD. I think not seem to remember. She was kind of very fierce and very firm, and. Honestly, immediately as I saw her, I was like, I've got to take this person's photo. And so I approached her and I spoke to her and she was telling me about what she did and everything. And then she sung for me, which was honestly mind-blowing. Um, and at the end, I just, I said, would you mind if I took your photo? And I was like, yeah. And she, and she said, yeah, of course. So um, I, I kind of put her against this wall and she gave me that look. I didn't direct her at all. And she gave me that look, and it, honestly, it just for me, it just told the story straight away, and uh, and that was that. Really, you know, it was a f- five minute encounter. You had this exhibition in Geneva, no? I mean, it was it was a retrospective exhibition. It was only a small uh, exhibition as well. The the title was "We the People," and the idea with, I mean, a lot of my work as well is that I I wanted to tell the story of people of colour, black people, um, who aren't in the kind of, they they don't fit in the kind of block box that society puts them in, you know, so, you know, in kind of the Western world, you know, black people are poor, or uh, they're hip-hop artists, or they're athletes, or, you know, they live in Africa, and they're emaciated and have malaria. I, I think it's really important to tell stories of people that that don't fit in that category, because without without those stories being told, the society will continue to think differently about them. The idea with We the people is that this was this was a it was it was a retrospective of some photos that I did in Lisbon in response to some of the police killings and the police brutality and the kind of general inequality in Western societies. Uh, directed or against uh, black people specifically. And then also uh, a few photos from my my projects in Cuba and in May, because mm. the people in Cuba, granted they might be poor and everything, but they are so much more connected to their culture than so many other places that I've been. In Southamay, the people there, they have they don't have any money, but they're rich in so many other things. I mean, there's not a single starving person in Southamay that's a fact because they have really fertile lands. They have the, the ocean, which is filled with, you know, amazing fish. And, you know, like you're walking through parts of the, of the islands and there's just pigs running through the undergrowth and there's somebody's pig, you know, or their goats or whatever. And they, and you know, it's the kind of place where you have, you, 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 you might drop a seed and then a week later you come back and there's a tree. Not even really an exaggeration. Um, You know, there's fruit just kind of rotting on the floor because there's too much that people can't eat it. So, you know, I kind of really wanted to kind of, like, challenge the stereotype of African people and Cuban people um, and also just kind of black people in general in regards to who we are, basically. Something that a lot of people do ask me is... Why black and white photography? Which to me it just seemed like the most obvious thing. Colour is great, and I love colour photos, and I love colour everything. But I, I find that when you're photographing people, it can be quite distracting. And it's like once you have the black and white photo of something, or the black and white photo of anything, I guess, it's like you're looking at that thing, like minus any distractions. And when I take photographs of people, I don't want people to be distracted by you know the pretty backgrounds or whatever it is. I want to see that person, hundred percent as they are. And then again, maybe slightly more conceptually, I guess is like the idea of black and white photo. It almost shouldn't be called black and white photographs because they're, they're neither black nor white normally, because black isn't a color, you know, and white is like something that you're almost never going to really get. So. It's like everything in a black and white photo is like a, it's like a shade of grey, and to me that's kind of like a metaphor for life because nothing is one hundred percent anything. You are like everything is a mix, as it were. Everything is like seen in shades of grey. Nothing is binary. So that's kind of why I I, to, I take photos in black and white, and I I, I feel that I want to do something classical that's kind of not just going to be something that people will look at once and then kind of throw it away i want people to be able able to look at it in 10 15 20 maybe 30 years time and think oh that makes sense today in the same way that it makes sense today